And welcome into the Stick to Hockey podcast. Joe Torty, Jason Martinez, once again. We are back from vacation, and we are ready to talk some pucks and sticks. We're getting close to August. The hockey season is not that far off. I believe we are, what, uh, less than 69 days away from when the Flyers kick off the season, October 4th. In where do they start? In San Jose at ten thirty? Uh, yeah, is it San Jose? They're somewhere in California. I thought maybe it was L.A. But I think L.A. It, was last year. San okay, Jose. It is San Jose this year. Yeah. Yep. So they'll start the season coming up on October fourth. We're getting closer and closer. There was actually some news uh, around the NHL with uh, Andre Markov today, who played nine hundred plus games in Montreal, and looks like he's going to be heading to the KAHL. But today, what we're going to do, uh, Joe, is we're going to have some fun. Here's the, the ways to get in touch with us, real quick. You can hit me on Twitter at Jason Mert. You can hit you on Twitter where at uh, what is it? It's going to be a pop quiz for you. How long we've we at doing? Joe Torty nailed it. Okay, J O E T O R D Y. Perfect. You can also hit us on Twitter for the show for the podcast at Stick the Number Two Hockey on Twitter as well. You can also uh, email us at Stick to Hockey Biz B I Z at gmail.com if you want to perhaps uh, sponsor this fine podcast. We'd love to get that out there for you and get the name of your business or whatever you may be uh, sponsoring for. Get the information out there to the people. Um, as far as uh, one thing I do want to say, uh, the guys at Wildfire, and they've been awesome, and uh, you can go to the, the at or wildfire.com uh, and check out our page there. There's also a message board if people want to leave comments. Also, if you're an iTunes user and you subscribe, give us a rating and a review. That helps big time. Why does this help now? Can you explain this to me real quick? You've heard of search engine optimization. SEO, yes. Yeah, so the more that we get positive ratings, positive listens, things like that, general impressions that are positive, we get pushed up the charts. Therefore, more people discover us. Therefore, we can do more stuff in terms of recording more often, doing longer shows, you know, all, all kinds of good things pop up there because we get the positive engagement and the positive feedback there. Oh. So that's really, really important. Okay. Very important then. So check that out. And uh, by the way, we'll be talking. Uh, I did an interview earlier today with Mark Recchi. He's going to be going to the NHL Hall of Fame or a Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm I am so mad I missed this one. Yeah. He was supposed to do it tonight, but uh, he had to do it a little bit earlier. And we appreciate him taking the time. Uh, of course, now he's moving into the coaching ranks. Yes. Assistant coach taking over for Rick Tockett in Pittsburgh. Well, I talked to him about that, about the Hall of Fame, about his career. Three-time Stanley Cup winner, won a cup in uh, Pittsburgh with their first cup. Then the next season actually got traded during the season to the Flyers for Tockett. Uh, won a 2006 cup with those Carolina Pan- or Carolina Hurricanes. And he was actually a rental that year. Right, yeah. Went on to win a cup and then uh, won a cup in his last season in 2011 with the Bruins. 22 NHL seasons. We'll get into all the particulars with him real quick. Just looking at his numbers. 1,652 NHL games, 577 goals, 956 assists, 1,533 points. For a guy that's 5'10 and played in an era where there was a lot of big bodies and a lot of big guys out there crashing into you making your life difficult. It's unbelievable. And unbelievably healthy that he stayed throughout his career. So You think about guys in the league, you, you group guys together, right? It's always Gretzky and Lemieux and Yager and Orr, and you, you lump those guys together. Yeah. Recky's not far from that like second tier of guys all-time historically, not necessarily looking at you know back in the 20s and the 30s with the Montreal Canadiens and everything like that. But when you look at what he's done in terms of winning, in terms of putting up points, like you said, his size... Mark Recchi's one of the guys who you really... It, I think that a lot of people forget how good he was unless you go back and look at those numbers. Yeah, well, think about this. Three times he had over 100 points in a season. 
113 and 90-91 with the Penguins in that season, 78 games, 40 goals, 73 assists. With the Flyers in 1992-93, this is the Flyers' all-time record, by the way, 53 goals, 70 assists, 123 points in 84 games. Wow. The next season, 84 games again, 107 points, 40 goals, and 67 assists. Albeit he was a minus two that year. Uh, but you look at the, the numbers are eye-popping. A 78-point and 80-point season in Montreal, 74 in Montreal. I mean, he's just put up numbers uh, all throughout his career. Even his last two seasons, uh, his last second last season in Boston, 43 points in 81 games. 81 games in 2010-11, he had 48 points at, You know, after playing 22 NHL seasons. Well, you pointed out, too, he's not a system player. Succeeded in Pittsburgh, succeeded yep. in Philadelphia, Carolina, just continued to put up wherever he was. He's a really, really talented guy. Looking forward to hearing what he has to say, because I haven't heard this yet, so I'll yeah. be hearing this live with the people. All right, so one of the things we're going to do today, and we'll start right now, is uh, get into some questions uh, from the people uh, via Twitter, uh, and either stick to hockey uh, on Twitter or my my Twitter page or your Twitter page. And uh, let's start off with this one, Joe, because uh, it's a good question. Stephen Martini, Steve Martini just tweeted this in. Is Patrick, Nolan Patrick, that is, progressing slowly, or is he on pace for being a 100% for the preseason? Now, he did deal with, obviously, he had the hernia surgery to fix the hernia that kind of bothered him all last year that went undiagnosed. He had it back on, I believe, June 13th prior to the draft is when he had the surgery. And then he just had the situation last week where he couldn't get on the ice because he had a facial infection. Wait, an infected face? Yes, he had to have a, a boil, apparently, lanced off his face. I can't imagine what that felt like. Um, but they held him out. He's fine now. He does not have any lingering issues now. He will be 100% for training camp. He will, he will be getting on the ice here over the next couple of weeks and skating and getting ready for camp. And when the guys get ready before camp, I'm sure he'll be on the ice as well. Uh, I fully, fully intend... Uh, and believe that he will be a 100% go for training camp, and that not only that, he will make this team without question. There, there's no doubt in my mind that he's on this roster when it's, the season starts. Uh, mine either, but I have to ask this question. What is going on with the NHL and injuries the last couple of years? Because you're not seeing the same, yeah, you're, the broken legs are there, the torn ACLs or whatever. You're getting mumps, you're <clears throat> yes. getting strokes, you're getting heart attacks, yeah. you're getting face infections. What is going on out there? Well, it's a contagious environment. You know, Crosby had the mumps that one year, and his, the one side of his face was the size of a hot air balloon. Yeah, and it was going around all kinds, you know, all many locker rooms around the NHL. These guys were ending up with these weird injuries. It's it's like ringworm, you know. Ringworm yeah. goes around like a wrestling room like crazy. You know, everybody gets it. So, uh, but yeah, they, they look. Nolan Patrick is going to be a guy who's going to be he's going to be a center too. By the way, he'll probably start out as a third line center. I think he will probably move up eventually if he's having a good year, which I anticipate as the second line center for this team this year. And then you move Couturier back to the three C which is where he finished last year. And by the way, he was great from February through the end of the year as a third-line center. He gives you everything that you need. He's almost like Joe Thornton. We talked about Joe Thornton, right? How Joe Thornton gives you everything at an elite level besides goals. Sean Couturier does everything really well except put up points. You know, that's the only thing that he really doesn't deliver for you. And that's something that... Look, I'm not as high on Couturier as a lot of people are who go into like the advanced analytics and say, oh, look at what he did here in five... Because I, I watch the eye test, and I, I don't know how much better he makes them as opposed to the other centers that they have out there. But I yeah. do know that defensively, penalty kill, things like that, there are roles where he really excels. And Nolan Patrick, his strengths are elsewhere. I'd probably prefer to see him in the 2C role rather than the yeah. 3C role. Yeah, and you want to get him those kind of minutes and play with skilled players. The other thing about uh, Couturier, too, is... 
uh, I think it was, I can't remember the exact date. I think it was sometime in February, but from February to the end of the year, he was like a plus 14 right. for this team. And and I will tell you this, uh, as a as a guy who played the position of goaltender, when you play goalie, you always know the guys you prefer to have on the ice. As a goalie, they like seeing Sean Couturier on the ice. So there you go. Yeah, you didn't like seeing a guy like Braden Shen out there or, uh, you know, some of the younger guys maybe, you know, last year when you look at guys like maybe Konechny who weren't defensively right, yep. responsible yet. Uh, when when Sean Couturier is on the ice, the goalie feels pretty good about that. And especially, and, you know, D-zone draws and those kind of things. Well, that's all we're worried about. We're two goalies talking about this. Yeah. So that's the only thing that counts, actually. No so doubt. there you go. Oh, speaking of that, there's a, a one that popped up across the uh, the Twitterverse. What's the best off-season work to keep the legs moving on the penalty kill? Something goalies don't have to worry about. Winky face from at not the real goose. So wait, what's the question? Off-season workout to uh, keep the legs moving on the penalty kill. And he said goalies don't need to worry about keeping the legs moving on the penalty kill. Well, the goalies, uh, look, uh, the goalies got to be extremely conditioned for that those situations, obviously. Um, but for the for the players to keep the legs kind of the best workout, I mean, you, you got to do squats, you got to run, and you got to skate. Yeah. I would think, you know, you're just going to keep skating. You're not going to play game speed. Um, game conditioning comes from playing in games. But to be in the best condition, you're going to have to ride a stationary bike quite a bit, I'm sure. And, you know, you got to keep the strength up in your legs. So I think that's certainly one. And from a mental standpoint, too, the other thing that's a little unconventional that some of my teams did was uh, like long, advanced games of monkey in the middle, where the guy yeah. in the middle had no chance at ever getting it, but still had you to chase him. around. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same him. thing on, on the penalty kill. So that, that's the inside tip, the real goose. There All you right. go. All right, there we go. Uh, Sean Bonner tweeted in and said... Uh, uh, wanted to get our kind of take on uh, Johnny Goudreau's, Johnny Hockey's comments about playing for the Flyers. And this isn't the first time he said something. He just signed the extension at last year out in Calgary during camp. He actually didn't right. report to camp on time. And obviously a South Jersey kid would love to play for his hometown team. I, I know people keep looking at this. This isn't something that's going to happen anytime in the very near future. It could happen at some point in his career. You just hope it doesn't happen when he's just at the end of the career to play a year or two in his hometown. Right, the retirement tour. Yeah. Um, but this is totally overblown. It, yeah, it's complete. I totally agree. Thinking that there's some kind of connection in terms of him actually being on a roster in the next two or three years. Calgary... They're not trading him. They're not trading him. <laughs> By the way, you ask him and you look at the rest of those quotes, he's a hero up there. He yeah. walks into gas stations and quickie marts and things like that and everybody's recognizing him. He says they're great up there. Everybody loves hockey up there. Now, of course, would you like to play for the team that got you interested in, I don't know, playing hockey? Yeah, of course yeah. you would. You want to play for the hometown team. At least here you, you would want to do that. And obviously, James Van Riemsdyk was able to do that. And there's been other guys in the area. Um, I'd like to see him. I mean, I mean, at some point, maybe there's a trade that is beneficial to both teams. I don't know. But I don't. I think it's a lot to do about nothing. Now, you talked about the extension, though. If the Flyers' timeline accelerates to the point where maybe you're trying to add Goudreau to a Flyers team that's going in the right direction and get him with two years or something left on that contract yeah. and Calgary sliding the other way. I could see that a little bit, but yeah. not anytime soon. Yeah, it would have to be a win-win type trade. Right. Uh, Colin Thompson tweets in, this is a good question, with only 36 hours in the city of Toronto and two younger kids neither into hockey yet, should he still make the time to take the kids to the Hockey Hall of Fame? We need to know how young. Yeah, babies in the Hockey Hall yeah. of Fame, that's a disaster. He's I saying think. two younger, so maybe that's like five to like seven range. Um, yeah, it's really cool because it'll be a good way to get them into hockey. There's a lot of like interactive, really cool things to do at the Hall of Fame. 
Um, you know, you can do like get in net, and there's this thing where they come down and they shoot on you, or there's things where you can shoot the puck to try and score, and um, it's really cool and interactive. Plus, you know, the jerseys all look cool; they're colorful. Oh yeah, the history of the game. Yeah. I mean, walking around—it's almost like walking around Cooperstown. You've, right? you've been in the hockey hall. I have. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I was up there when I was in goalie school, actually, um, but. You know, you walk around there, and you can almost feel like the ghosts around there, can't you? Like the history of the game. Yeah. It almost smells different, and it's pretty cool. It's worth it, Colin, I'd say, if you have time. 36 hours. I would find two of them to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Absolutely. If anybody, by the way, we're on Periscope here, too, uh, for, through my Twitter handle. I don't know how that works, but... Um, if you, any of you guys on Periscope have a question, certainly we'll answer those as well. We're going to get to Mark Recchi coming up in a couple of minutes. Do you got another question, Joe? Yeah, I, I do have one. This it will is, come to Stick to Hockey, uh, the, the, the Twitter handle? Yeah, this is from the Stick to Hockey Twitter handle, and it's okay. probably the most important one. It's from Aaron Stank. He says, when will episode five of this podcast be available? Well, it's right now. You're yeah. going to be able to listen to it right now. But no, no, no. In all honesty, we're trying to hone in as much as we can with our schedules. We're doing everything that we can to get them out on Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. But this is going to be a rare uh, rare Thursday release. But Tuesday, Wednesday, look out for our podcast on a week-to-week yeah. basis. And when we get into the season, we are talking about doing more than one a week. And we'll get into that Um as the season goes, we have to see kind of how the schedule lays out because I do games, you do games, you know, and we'll, we'll figure all that out. But we're, we're hoping during the season to do two a week every week. And obviously, once the season starts, we'll be able to get a lot of guests too. Um, being down at the building around guys, be able to tape some interviews and, and talk to guys to get set up to do interviews for the podcast as well. So uh, we're certainly going to do that as well. One more thing before we wrap up this Q&A. I want to add a, uh, a question for the listening audience. You and I have been going over this, uh, what episodes we're going to do and what we're going to tackle coming up. Yeah. And we started to flesh some of the stuff out, but if there are episodes that you'd prefer to hear sooner rather than later, just an idea. Some of the things that we're chewing on, we're trying to have one that's focused on broadcasting hockey on TV and on the radio, yep. talking to everybody who's involved with that in terms of play-by-play analysts. We can get some producers in here. Yep. How do you tell the stories? That's one that we're looking at. We've talked about doing equipment, player equipment, yeah, goalie equipment. I can't wait for that. Yeah. That's going to be really cool. Obviously, we can do a, a big whip around, more broad around the NHL. That We've talked about doing all of these things. If any of these or something completely different is more interesting to you guys, let us know, and we'll try to get that out for you sooner rather than later. Here's a couple of things that I know we are going to tackle coming up. Uh, certainly in August, like late August, third or fourth week of August, we're going to do the power rankings. I do the power rankings on Twitter every year. I'm going to put together you know, 31 to 1, the power rankings of the, the NHL as I see it, and certainly we can debate those with uh, the listeners also going to do, and I think we should do this maybe next week or the week after, um, we're going to get into some fantasy. Nice. And because I know a lot of people are starting to get into fantasy hockey and we're going to go through rankings of players and who's where and where the value is going to be and guys that are coming up. And I mean, like predicting Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby and those guys, Line A and uh, Austin Matthews and some of these younger guys is easy. But when we're going to look at some of the deeper guys, you know, get into the Shifleys, who was a good guy in fantasy last year, who the goalies are that you want in fantasy, right. some strategy stuff. We'll have to get some experts on, and we're going to do that as well. But um, uh, we'll definitely get into all that as well with the fantasy. And we'll, I want to talk fantasy hockey throughout the, the season as well, like good guys to start each week and, and those kind of things. Because you want guys that play, you know, if a guy plays five games in a week, you want to have him on your roster. Clearly. Maybe a guy to pick up. So um, let's get one more question. Is Sure. Who uh, Kevin Yeager tweets in, or Yeager, I'm not sure how you say it. Who could be the out-of-nowhere player to make the team? 
for the Flyers this year. Very Flyers hockey uh, centric uh, podcast this week. Um, but uh, who could be an an out of nowhere player to make the team? I don't know if you would consider. It depends. I don't know what your your kind of perception of that is. But for maybe Oscar Lindblom could be that guy. Well, but what about a guy like? Like Philip Myers, right? Yeah, that's another one. So yeah. there's one. We're, we're talking about all of these guys ready. who are, are slam dunks, Sanheim and Moran and all these guys. Myers is a guy that they're really, really excited about here in developmental camp. camp. So if he continues to progress at the rate that he is, he could potentially leapfrog one or two of those guys, be a surprise, and knock one of them out of the well, uh, roster spot. What he could also do is set it up that one of those guys is expendable. Right. You know, that you could trade either Hag or Morin or... Or whoever it might be, I don't think you trade Sanheim. I no, probably Sanheim. not. <laughs> um, and I would not trade Myers. He was just a gem find that they got that developed and has been developing at at a great pace for this team. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how many rookies they decide to put on this team this year. It's it's one of the you got to figure Nolan Patrick is a lock. You got to figure Oscar Lindblom is pretty close. He's going to get every opportunity yep. to prove it, right? And then on defense, at least two. Uh, if you just want to go chalk, you go more in Hag, and Sanheim may be the guy called up. But now, this, in light of some of the stuff I've read, and I saw what Craig Button had to say about Philip Myers, this guy's NHL ready right now. She, I mean, you could you could start this year with six rookies on the team. I think Chicago started last year with seven, right? And they were the top seed in the in the Western Conference. So this is a young man's game. It's getting to be yeah, a young, I, fast these guys man's up. game. Let's go. Yeah, it's young speed and skill. Let's go. No let's doubt. Get these guys up here. But let's uh, let's hear from Mark Recchi right now. Um, you know, getting to talk to Mark Recchi, very cool, because he played for the Flyers in a couple of different stints, was part of that Crazy Eights line along with Eric Lindros, also a part of uh, uh, three cup-winning teams with three different teams, Pittsburgh, Carolina, and the Boston Bruins, and a great career. So let's talk to Mark Recchi right now. Mark joins us here on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. Well, first and foremost, congratulations. You're now uh, in the NHL coaching ranks. Uh, what went into that decision to get into coaching? Was it something you kind of envisioned uh, you doing? And, uh, post your playing career? Yeah, actually, no, I didn't have any envision at all. It just kind of happened quick. Obviously, um, my great friend uh, Rick Tockett got the opportunity to be the head coach in Arizona, and, um, you know, deservingly so. And, and uh, you know, he jumped on board there, and, and there was an opening here, and the, and the Penguins asked me uh, if I'd be interested in, in uh, you know, jumping in that. I was more on the management side, uh, you know, development side, player development, and and getting more into the management side. But, uh, you know, the, the more I thought about it, the more excited I got. And, and uh, to work with Mike Sullivan and, and Sergey Gonchar and Jacques Martin, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun for me. When you go into a situation that you're going into in Pittsburgh, back-to-back cups, obviously the best player in the world uh, over the last decade in Sidney Crosby, and obviously you have Genny Malkin, and you have some real co- great core players there, and uh, things have gone well over the last couple of seasons. Is it uh, sort of a, a daunting expectation to live up to when you're going into a team that's won back-to-back? back cups yeah it is but it's you know what this the, the drive that these players have is you know is incredible and the leadership with Crosby and Malkin and Latang and, and, and guys like that uh, to just name a few that 
you know, their their leadership, they're competitive guys. They want to win. They want to win all the time, and, and that's the reason why they've won three cups together. And and um, you know, hopefully, there's more in the future. But you know, it's never going to be easy. It's a it's a long haul. It's a long year. It's a, you know a lot of things. You face a lot of adversity. So I'm just going to come in and and um, you know uh, try and help as much as I can. And, and uh, you know, I kind of have a, I have a pretty good feel for our dressing room. So hopefully, uh, it'll be a seamless fit. As a, as a guy who played against Crosby. Uh, and a guy who has played, you play with some of the best players that have ever uh, laced up the skates. Mario Lemieux, you play with Eric Lindros, obviously, and uh, played against and with a lot of the greatest players. What is it about Crosby that uh, has him at the top right now in the NHL and has for a decade of uh, being the best player? He's just, he's so good along the walls. He's such a skilled player and thinks the game so well. But in your mind, uh, kind of what is it about Crosby that just makes him so great? Well, it's, it's, you know, he, he's probably one of the most fit players in the league. Uh, he really, you know, he really pays attention to every detail uh, on and off the ice. He tries to get better. He doesn't, uh, he works on things every day. He goes out and goes out early, goes, stays on later. He's always working on stuff. And, and that type of thing is, uh, you know, you just can't, you know, that's, that's inbred in him. He's, you know, he wants to be the best and he wants to continue to be the best. And, and uh, when you have that type of uh, competitive nature and, and that type of drive, it's, you know, it's you no know, wonder where he is right now. But it's been quite the off season for you. You're not, you're not only going to start your coaching career, but you also got the call from Lanny McDonald in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You're heading to uh, the promised land for all hockey players. You won cups. That's obviously the biggest thing you can do as a player, but as a legacy, uh, getting enshrined into the Hockey Hall of Fame is is pretty much the top of the mountain. What was that that moment like when you got the phone call and found out in your fourth year of eligibility that you'd be going to the Hockey Hall of Fame? I was actually shocked. I was, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, you know, you know, your name's out there, but I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't want to get over, you know, um, you know, thinking, uh, you know, maybe this is the year I just wanted to, you know, hopefully got that call and, and, you know, just kind of wait and see. And you know, I was very fortunate I did. And it was, uh, it was great to get it from Lanny. Lanny, uh, uh, great admiration for him. And, it was great to get the call from him and, and uh, you know, the other players and that uh, I'm going in with. And I uh, can't tell you how excited I am and, you know, I look forward to that weekend in November. When you started this journey back in junior, I think you had a year where you had like 154 points for Kamloops, uh, and then you end up in the NHL. You're a 5'10 guy. And let's face it, you're playing in the league at that time, Mark, where there's a lot of big guys that were using their bodies to make things very difficult for guys your size. Could you have envisioned that you would have a career that would uh, end up with 1,652 NHL games? No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I, I was hoping if I just to make it, number one. and Number two, if I could get five or six years, that would have been incredible. But uh, end up playing 22 years is uh you know beyond my imagination and and uh, i'm sure a lot of people's as well so when you look at the success of your career you were a guy that was able to stay healthy and, and like i alluded to you know your size you, you weren't the biggest guy in the world although uh, you know very uh, very tough and a hard guy to move off the puck great center of gravity uh what was it that, that you took care of your body in a way that you managed to prevent the big injuries yeah, it, it, a lot of that's you know, obviously you got to be you got to be lucky to stay avoid those big ones. Um, you know, you got to be you know you got to take care of your body. You got to be in shape. Uh, conditioning was a big part of my uh, you know uh, my summers, and, and I wanted to make sure I was always ready and, and always in tip top shape and, and and getting the stuff that I needed to be done. And, and um, you know, and just stuff like that. And good red wine too probably didn't help over the years, so it was good. <laughs> 
the ultimate cure or elixir, if you will. Yeah. Uh, let's let's yeah. talk about your your ninety one ninety two season in Pittsburgh. You end up winning a cup there with Mario Lemieux. Uh, talk about playing with a player like Mario, who was just a, at that time with that size and that skill was just a freak of nature. Well, it's incredible. I mean that that like you said that size and and the skill level at that size is uh, is incredible. I mean he's a lot. I mean, he can absolutely fly too, and never. It, it didn't look like he was skating fast, but when you know you, you try and catch up to him, forget it. So, um, but his uh, his IQ obviously and his his uh, you know he he you know he went through a lot as a player, but he you know always found a way to come back and be the top player and one of the top players in the world. And to get an opportunity to to, to play with him, play with him, was incredible, and then uh, play for him as well. So it was good. Yeah, and then and you end up uh, working for him as the owner of the Penguins uh, as a coach there as well. A- after that season, you spend some time in Pittsburgh the next year, but you ultimately end up getting uh, traded to the Flyers, uh, the cross-state rival, if you will, and you had a lot of success here. Matter of fact, you had your best statistical NHL season as a member of the Flyers, and it's still the top uh, single-season scoring uh, record for this organization. Uh, you ended up playing 84 games that year, 53 uh, goals, 70 assists, 123 points. You eclipsed the uh, century mark uh, a couple of more than a couple times in your career. Uh, was that a season where just everything kind of clicked for you and, uh, you know, you had the right line mates and things just kind of uh, were working out in uh, in your best interest? Yeah, you know, it was yeah, definitely one of those years that just, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I did have a few points over Hunter, but, you know, I would just, that was one of those years that just, you know, obviously things went a little better than most most years, you know, and it was, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, you gotta you gotta have great linemates, you gotta have good teammates, and and uh, you know along the way, and and power play when you're when you're a top player, your power play's got to be good. So you know that was a key to it as well, and you know obviously you know I, I enjoyed my time in Philly, and it was great. And, and uh, you know the one thing, unfortunately, is we didn't get to win a cup, but uh, you know we got to the conference finals twice. And, Lost in Game Sevens, which still uh, kind of irks me now to this day. So, <laughs> well, you always carry those. It's amazing, guys. Despite the fact that you've played one thousand six hundred fifty-two games, you could probably almost uh, tell us all those heartbreak moments and relive them in your own mind. Uh, what was it like playing with a guy like Lindros, especially when he was coming in so young? Well, it was great. I mean, it's uh, you know, obviously he was. You know, he came in. I just tried to help him out the best I could. I knew he was. Uh, you know, there was a lot of pressure on a young man like that. And, you know, I wanted to help him. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine being under the spotlight like that, and uh, you know the pressure he would feel every day. And you know, it was it was great to play with him. But I, you know, I just wanted to try and help him all best I could on and off the ice, and and um, you know, help him ease through it. Because, like I said, the pressures of those top guys, the Marios, the Lindroses, the guys, you know, the obviously Gretzky, and that they they have that pressure every day of uh, they have to you know perform you know uh, on a daily basis. You're talking about some of the trades you're involved in. The names going back and forth are are enormous. You know, the trade from Pittsburgh was a, for Tockett with the Flyers. You end up getting traded to uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Eric Desjardins, obviously a part of that trade, was a longtime Flyers defenseman, a real good one. What was it like for you playing in Montreal? You're a Canadian kid. Uh, all the, you grew up in the, the British Columbia area, I believe, and you, but you end up playing for the Canadians, the most storied franchise in all of hockey. What was that like for you? Uh, it was an incredible experience. It really was. Uh... You know, I got to I got traded in the Steel in the old form, which was you know, which was amazing to go there and and uh, play a game there every night and not be your home locker room. And um, you know, I had a wonderful five years there and, and uh, loved every minute of it. It was a great experience. Um, you know, I got to go from the old form to the new to the new arena there, and 
you know, it was just, uh, it's a special place to play. And it was, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Lived right downtown and, and made the most of uh, living in the city. Yeah, absolutely. And 05, 06, you end up in Carolina. Uh, you're kind of a, a late season rental, but you take that rental and you get all the way to the cup final and you hoist the cup again. What was that like, along with Rob Brindamore winning that cup in Carolina, a non-traditional hockey market? Uh, you've been in some of the better markets, obviously, in Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Montreal. You end up in Carolina and they go on a run. You win a cup. Does that second cup feel a little bit different than that first one did many years before? Well, it was 15 years before, so it, it felt pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know if you'd ever get back, right? Uh, yeah, no, no question. And, uh, you know, what an incredible feeling to win that and, and you know, be able to sit back and watch Rod Brindamore and, um, you know, you know, the guys that Glenn Wesley and, and a number of guys that hadn't had an opportunity to win one uh, to see how, you know, they were taking it all in. And, and uh, I was able to sit back and watch them and really enjoy it. It was uh, it was such an incredible experience, and you know, to get it to get it again was uh, after 15 years was, you know, I was very uh, very thankful for that. You you get the storybook ending to your career. You've been playing the game a long time. Uh, you find yourself with the Bruins for your final three seasons, but in 2010, 2011, well, the Bruins go on a magical run of their own. Obviously, 2010 was the year the Flyers came back from being down that 0-3 deficit. First of all, talk about what the Game Seven pressure was like on, on the Bruins in that second round series when the Flyers and Bruins. Uh, went to that game seven. Um, well, you know what? We, actually, we didn't feel that. We actually felt pretty good about ourselves. Still, I mean, obviously, we had we had uh, we got a little bit banged up, and we lost Kretchy, which was a huge loss at that time for us. But um, you know, we didn't. Uh, you know, we we felt still felt good about what we were doing, and uh, you know, it was a heck of a game. And uh, you know, we came up a little bit short, but you know what? We learned a lot from it, and we learned a lot from. Uh, that experience, and it was pretty much the same team coming back the following year. Uh, there was a few trades during the season, but uh, you know it was, uh, you know, for the most part, the core was still the same. Yeah, and you guys knew you had a job to do that next year. You get to the Cup final uh, against Vancouver, and you ride off into the sunset, hoisting the cup one last time. Uh, was there any debate in your mind whether that was the time to hang up the skates? Um, no, not at the time. There wasn't. Um, you know, it was obviously you know to, to finish. You know, obviously in British Columbia to, to play my last game, it, you know, back in my home province was was an incredible thing. On top of uh, you know winning the Stanley Cup again, and, you know, not too many people to get to go out on top like that, and it's uh, it's an amazing feeling, and it was such a such an honor to, to hoist it again and and to, to do it there, and, and you know with the Boston Bruins, those guys, uh, you know, we faced a lot of adversity and we we hung in there and we did a heck of a job, so. Yeah, it really is the perfect scenario. Uh, let me ask you two more quick questions. Uh, do you like where the game is right now? Yeah, I, I, I do like where it's at. I think it's fast. It's definitely fast. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I hope they get back to calling it a little tighter at some point. Um, you know, I thought the playoffs had got a little, you know, got a little bit crazy at times where they got away from, you know, um, you know, got away from when you know 2006 when they tried to change the game so there's you know there's not a lot i change from the game but just call what they've uh you know call what they've uh, t- you know they've put in place and and let the game let the players uh, uh be where they at i mean we've got an incredible incredible young players coming into this game now that are that are they're that are you know um 
they're true superstars that are you know, people should come and watch, and we got to make sure that they can they're able to do what they can do. Yeah, and you look at guys like uh, obviously Connor McDavid, and you look at what Austin Matthews did last year, forty in his rookie year. Well, it's become a young man's game, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it sure has, and it, you know, which is a good, it's just which is fine, you know. Like, uh, you know, there's still some old guys hanging on, and they're doing a great job if they're smart enough and they can skate well enough. You're still smart, you know. You can still hang on, so it's yeah. good. <laughs> well, hey, Mark, man, we appreciate the time. Good, best of luck coming up this season uh, in your new endeavor uh, as an assistant coach with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And really, congratulations from everybody here in Philadelphia on the Hockey Hall of Fame. It well-deserved. I mean, your numbers are eye-popping. Yeah, 1,533 points in 1,652 games. Uh, deserved, and uh, we're going to be looking forward to the ceremony coming up, uh, I guess, in November. And who's going to induct you in? Who, who will do your introduction? Did you figure that out yet? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. So, what about Bundy? Would he be a good, a good guy to do that for you? Yeah, Bundy, Bundy would always be a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be good for the comic relief, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Awesome. Hey, Mark, we appreciate the time, and uh, good luck coming up this season. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. There he is, Mark Recchi from on the Stick to Hockey podcast, and we appreciate him joining us. Hockey Hall of Famer going in this November uh, in a great class, uh, recollecting about when Lanny McDonald uh, gave him the great news and that he's going to be entering the Hockey Hall of Fame, and his numbers are off the charts and certainly deserved to be in the Hockey Hall is Mark Recchi, and we appreciate him dropping by the Stick to Hockey podcast. A couple things, Joe, a couple news and notes. Sure. Um, Miko Zibanejad has agreed to a five-year contract with the New York Rangers, a AAV of $5.35 million. Now, he's a 24-year-old player. I think he had to avoid arbitration here. He will be there. Uh, you know, they sent uh, Stepan to Arizona. Right. So Zibanejad... Now the number one C for the Rags. Do you like this deal? Well, he's a good player. He is a good... So here's the thing. I was talking to a Rangers fan when this deal happened, and he's a big Stepan fan, and I said, what do you think of the deal? And he said, it's a home run for the Rangers because of the money for Zibanejad. Mm -hmm. Now that the money's just about the same, right? It's like an $800,000 difference between Stepan and Zibanejad now. I... I don't know. Like with what he gives you versus what Stepan gave you, to me that was just like a, a hand in glove fit. So now I'm I'm thinking I might not like the deal when you consider not just the term but also the money. I thought if you you were able to land him for the high fours, maybe low low fives, that would have been really good. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan. What do you think? Well, look, it's not a great top line center. It's not an elite one around the NHL, but. It's not a bad deal. It's not a bad. It's not a bad AAV hit. So I, I'd be fine with it. If I were a Ranger fan, I would. Ha- I would not have a problem with that. But I, I just worry about the Rangers in general. Their cupboard is so bare. They've traded so many first round picks. I just don't know how that they can keep this going. And you know, you look at you know as far as they're going to go is how far the goalie's going to take them. And I, I don't know what Hank has left. Well, they have Pavlik now, too, right? So you're trying to preserve him as much as you can. you got Shattenkirk, who's the top defenseman on the market. I don't know. Yeah. They're a team that could take a step backwards, in my opinion. Uh, Also, uh, Brian Dumoulin signs with the Penguins. Uh, What did he get? 4.1? Is that the the AAV on this contract? Yes, that's what I saw. And he's basically penciled in to be Chris Letang's partner for the remainder of Letang's career. Uh, what do you think of this deal? Because I, I think this is a great deal. He got paid. I think he got paid good for the player that he is, but um, I think this is a good deal for the Penguins. It is a good deal for the Penguins, especially considering where the two sides started 
when you saw the arbitration sides, and it's pretty rare that you see both sides get leaked, yeah. the Penguins offered $1.9 million. Yeah, that was absurd. <laughs> and Dumoulin asked for four point three. So I'm thinking, if they're that far apart, nothing's happening. And yeah. Brian Dumoulin, when you looked at the minutes that he played, everybody wants to point at the offense what he doesn't do. No, no, no. He's playing big-time Stanley Cup playoff minutes with a broken hand. I thought that he was an impact defenseman. He looked, for most of the playoffs, to be their best defenseman in the absence of Latang. I thought it was a killer deal. For Dumoulin, you got to be happy, too, because you got most of what you were asking for, and it's a six-year stable contract is why I like this signing. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Let, let's stay on the Penguins for a second here. Uh, they lose Rick Tockett. He's an assistant coach, and he was a great assistant coach for that team. Players really respected him. He's the good cop, right? He leaves. Recky comes in. Okay. Um, can we come to the, an agreement that the Pittsburgh Penguins cannot win a third cup in a row? We cannot come to agreement We on can't this. come to agreement on you. You and I cannot. Okay. Uh, why? Okay. You think a team can, in this day and age, winning back-to-back is insanely so difficult. So hard. It hadn't happened in the NHL since the Red Wings did it in 97-98. Right. And the Penguins do it this year. Couple that, they do it in a year with the World Cup of Hockey. Yep. Where the star players, Crosby, Malkin, those guys all played a lot of hockey. Sure. They've played 87, Sidney Crosby's played 87 playoff games in his career. It's another season. How can a team go through the grind of an NHL season again with the bullseye on him again and win another Stanley Cup next year? I just I can't buy it any way, shape, or form. If I'm going to Vegas, it's the biggest shoebox bet in the world. Okay, well he, to put my money that they will not win the cup. Well, I mean, first of all, you're not going out on a huge limb by no. saying that a team's not going to three peat. But let me say this, right? This time last year, everyone was saying, "What is a Jake Gensel?" You know, the, yeah. the, like all of the guys you mentioned, Crosby, Malkin, they're playing a ton of games, and that's true. Yeah, right. But Matt Murray is a fresh young kid. Yeah. Jake Gens, they've got so many young kids. They're talking about who's going to be the third line center. They might have Zach Aston Reese, who's an undrafted college free mm-hmm. agent, come in and play. For- so the guys, the team is not tired. The star players might be tired, but the team has been so young. But the star so players kid- is what carries you in the playoffs. They have to. Did it? Gensel I mean, did last year. I get it. And, and the year before that, it was the HBK line, yeah. right? So, I mean, to me, I, I hear you and I hear the concerns about it, but to say that they can't because the team is fatigued the team's young the team is different yeah Crosby and Malkin I, I am not going to count out Sidney Crosby until I see something that he can't do yeah so that's a good point it's hard for me to just full-on close the door I'll agree with you highly unlikely but to say that it's a zero percent chance I can't go there I'm going zero percent chance damn it we'll <laughs> good see for you that's one of those things um real quick one more Twitter question yeah Neil, Neil Patel who has a better bounce back year Drew or Voracek Ooh, this is a tough question um is it to me, it's to me, it's a little simple. I want to hear what you say. Well, I'll hear what you say. I, I, I'm, I know where but, I'm going, but Giroux's going to have a better bounce back year. Okay, because I think well, that, he's a better player. Well, that's one right. The talent yep. is there. He's not going to necessarily get to the heights of where he was when Peter Laviolette called him the best player in the world, but. Last year was such an aberration for him from a numbers standpoint. Yeah. I just believe in regression to the mean. I just believe you're going to get back to what your averages are. Whereas when you look at Jake Voracek, when he was in the top five, top six in the NHL in scoring, that was a total aberration. That, that was His not shooting percentage was through the moon exactly. when he did that. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, he got paid. So that's my point, is that I'm more likely to believe that Voracek's going to continue to do what Voracek has done 
and Giroux's going to go back towards the mean. I don't know if he's ever going to be a 30-goal scorer with 70 assists again, but what I will say is that I think that he's definitely going to have a better year than what did he have, 12 goals last year? He's going to do better. Yeah, 13, I believe it was. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when I, when I look at it, uh, I'm not sure what Jake Voracek is at this point. I'm just I'm not sure what he is. He's an eye test player. He looks so good. You're thinking that guy. That guy can do yeah, everything. Yeah, he can that dominate you need. with the puck. It's hard to get it from him, but then he stays on the outside, and, and his shooting percentage has been horrific the last couple of years. So, uh, as far as which guy may end up with more points, ah, jeez, um, oh, I'll say that Drew will have more points than he will next year. Will it be a greater percentage bounce back than um, what Jake Voracek would do percentage wise? Well, I want to. I'm going to. I'm pulling up their numbers right now from last year. Uh, Voracek led the team in points last year with 61. He had 20 goals, 41 assists. He was a minus 24, by the way. People that killed is... Giroux for his plus minus. He ended up a minus 15. A 20 goal scorer was minus what? Minus 24. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's horrific. That's hard to do when you score 20 goals. Yeah, 23 power play points last year. Oh, that's why. Um, Giroux in 82 games last year as well. 14 goals, 44 assists, 58 points. It was a minus 15. Um, Drew will have more points than him. Drew will get about 18 to 20 goals this season, and I think he will have probably in the range of about 55 to 50. I was going to say 55, so I can yeah. buy that. Yeah, so, so I think Drew is going to be a guy that's going to be in that roughly around that 70-point mark. They need help, though. The, the Flyers forward yeah. group needs help. They, yep. it's, not, it's not the way that they would want it right now. I'm sure that they're going to say that they're happy with the guys that they have. I'm, I'm fine with that, too, but they, they'll be open to making some kind of shore-up move. Uh, don't look for Duchesne, by the way. I don't think Duchesne no, is going to be the shore-up move, but somebody else who can provide a little bit more offense. Yeah, but this is impressive, though. Travis connecting his first season, 11 goals, 17 assists, 28 points, and only a minus two. It's pretty good for, for a, a team that was minus, yeah. And he, and he played in tough situations, too. His deployment w- was in really, really unfavorable situations sometimes. So that's yeah. good. Uh, are we ready to admit that Radko Gudis is a pretty damn good NHL defenseman? He was a plus eight last year. We have to be, right? Yeah. We, were, we were sold when the move was made and he got traded for that he was just the goon. And yeah. You know what I mean? And he could yeah, shoot. the lunkhead that could just lay the lumber down on people. He's actually, he's actually, he really has surprised me. He's, he's a good player. He's been their best defenseman consistently over the last three years, has he not? Yeah. And, and, and he's a guy, the kind of guy you need one of those kind of guys on your team. No doubt about it. I mean, by the way, I know that Provorov had his really good year last year. And then I know Gostasper took over the league as a rookie. Yeah. But over the last three years, consistently, it's, it's been, been Radko. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. doubt. Hey, real quick, uh, one last quick thing before we uh, before we wrap up episode five. Um, it was around the God, what, what was the time of year when they were coming up to the draft, and oh, it was free agency when the draft and free agency weekend for the NHL. A lot of people were asking me on Twitter about Anthony Stolarz, and and I was just being honest with my opinion that you know he's a guy that's not a top prospect for them uh, as a goalie and. He's got some things he needs to work on. And all of a sudden on Twitter, I saw that I popped up that he followed me. Uh-oh. So I see, you know, Stoli, at Stoli the goalie follows you. And I see it, and I check it, and it's really him. And It's got and the it, check mark? Yeah, it's got the check mark and everything. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, he follows me. And then, like, a, a, two days later, I check it again, and he unfollowed me. Whoa! <laughs> I think he looked at my tweets and then unfollowed me, because I wasn't necessarily real flattering about my... my uh, 
commentary about his game. So you know what happened. Somebody said, you got to see this guy's talking this stuff about you. I said, let, <laughs> let me see this. Hold on. <laughs> and then he follows you. Checks he didn't it need out. to follow me to do that. Look, I don't know if he's the most technologically savvy guy. I'm just saying what or I think Or the most happened. technically proficient goaltender, for that <laughs> oh, matter, right? No! <laughs> Look, all you need to know is that they've done everything they can to bring in more goalies for the system. Yeah. If they liked Anthony Stoll... And, and yeah, I'm look, just reading the tea leaves If on they this liked guy. him, they'd give him a shot. They yeah. haven't. They're waiting for Alex Lyon, who they like more than him, I promise. Yeah. Carter Hart, they like a lot more than him as a prospect. And Felix Sanchez, they like yeah. a lot more than him, so, too. It's not an indictment of the guy, and I know that he's big and you know we're, we're interested in that. But look, they just don't like him. Yeah. They see him a lot more than we do. They don't like him. If, it, if it's going to happen for him, it's going to happen somewhere else. That's basically the way I look at it. Mm. Well, I'm we'll sorry that does. you lost the Twitter follower. Nah, that's devastating. Do? What are you going to do? It's not the, first, <laughs> not the first or the last. All right. Uh, that's going to put a wrap on episode number well, five. Yes. Cinco. Episode five of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Again, hit us up on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Stick to Hockey, at Joe Tordy, J-O-E-T-O-R-D-Y, at Jason Mert. We're going to do another episode next week. Who are we going to have on next week? I don't even know who we should get. Maybe we'll ask the people that right now. Hit us on Twitter. Tell us what guests you want to hear from. I got a couple of ideas. Uh, I I am going to get uh, Giroux on. Yep. Uh, He's at a golf tournament this week, so I did not get him for this week. And still want to talk to Danny Briere as well. Uh, so we'll get to in, in touch with those guys. But uh, if you've got some guys or guests that you want us to hear from here on the Stick to Hockey podcast, let us know as well. All right. That's going to wrap on this week. We will be back with you next week. It is Stick to Hockey podcast. Yes, Joe, good job today. Yeah, you too, Jay. I'll catch you next time. Until then, though, Stick to Hockey. I can do that.